I had this realization after a conversation with someone a few weeks ago, but next year, I will have been a Christian and walking with Jesus for 20 years. Which is really hard for me to believe. And it's been amazing to walk with the Lord for that long. And I know some of you are thinking already, like, dude, how old are you anyways? Like, that can't be a thing. Um, AJ, AJ, uh, our, our lead pastor and just a friend of mine, um, he, he jokes around that I'm sneaky old. <laughs> he says, Jay, he said, you're sneaky old. But, but yeah, it's crazy. I just had this realization. Next year, I will have been like walking with Jesus. Even though I believe God as a kid, I would say like I started walking with Jesus when I was 18 years old. Like I said, I'm going to follow Christ with my lifestyle. And next year, I'll be 38. And there's one thing that I've learned about following Jesus that never, ever changes. You are always in a spiritual battle. Always. Every day. All the time. And some of you people that are maybe newer Christians or new to faith, you're like, man, really? Yeah, really. You're always in a spiritual battle. One of the things that I'm really thankful for, though, is as I became a new Christian, God brought some amazing pastors and mentors into my life almost right off the bat, and they began to teach me about what the Scripture has to say about this battle, about how to resist the enemy and how he would flee, how to take every thought captive, how to be not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. And so early on in my Christian walk, I learned how to do battle. I learned how to fight the good fight of faith and how to engage um, in the battle that you and I find ourselves in. The Bible says, Paul said that he was not ignorant to the enemy's schemes. And one of my concerns as your pastor, especially because we have a lot of people that have come to faith in Jesus over the last four years and that are even more recently new to their faith. And one of my concerns as your pastor is that when you're a new Christian, you're really vulnerable to the things that the enemy would try to bring into your life to derail you or shipwreck your faith. And so part of tonight's teaching will be just help you be aware that we're in a spiritual battle, that we're in a battle against Satan, he's real, and how to actually put our armor on to actually fight the battle that we're in. And so we're going to kind of jump into that. But the first my concern is for newer Christians is that you're not aware of that and not to any fault of yours just because maybe you haven't really come to that conclusion yet. And for people that have been walking with Jesus for a long time, my concern is, is that like you just get numb to the idea that, oh yeah, we're actually in a battle, in a war, and we kind of slip into just cruise control as a follower of Christ. But so tonight, I'd like to talk about us being in a spiritual battle. And just let me ask you a few questions. You cool with that? Okay. Do you ever get the sense that there are powers and forces working against you? Okay. Amen. <laughs> that was like without hesitation. <laughs> Do you ever feel, you don't have to just be ready to answer yes. I want you to think about this. Do you ever feel this spiritual sense of heaviness or oppression on your spirit? Do you ever feel like you walk into some rooms and something just feels off? Do you ever feel like 
in your own spiritual life, in your own relationship with God, there always seems to feel like there's resistance pushing the other way. If you've answered yes to that, it's because we are in a spiritual battle. Whether we believe the Bible teaches us or not, it's real. And one of the things that I believe God has revealed to me recently is that there's many people, many people that proclaim to follow Jesus, but you feel like you're always losing the spiritual battle. You feel like you're always kind of on the losing end of the stick. A few weeks ago, Age and I preached a message, and we talked about how we have a victim mentality. Any remember, remember that message? And we talked about how we in Southwest Nova and people in general tend to have a victim mentality. And I got convicted of it, and you got convicted of it. We all got convicted of it. But we all, a lot of us came to the conclusion, yep, I'm guilty. I have a victim mentality. And I believe that we have a victim mentality it starts with a spiritual root. There's a reason spiritually why we have a victim mentality. And part of it is when we have this mentality of, of being a victim, we believe a lie that we're always going to be on the losing end, and therefore we're always on the losing end. We believe a lie. And so we end up doing this spiritual turtling. I asked this week on Facebook for someone to bring me a turtle shell. Y'all y'all don't have turtle shells? Kicking around somewhere? Hence, I don't have a turtle shell, which would have really been cool. But I wanted to have a turtle shell. So if you can just picture in your mind a turtle shell. Now, I, I, guys, I know we're in a weird topic tonight, and I'm talking about turtle shells. Just please track with me here for a few minutes, okay? Please bear with me. But I just saw idea of like, us always being on the defense against this spiritual battle. And we kind of go into our shells, but we never really learn how to actually fight and attack and win. And so a lot of us end up feeling like spiritually, like we're just always losing. We're kind of into our shell. But the scripture wants to teach us not just how to have defense, but how to go on the offense for the kingdom of God. Amen? So we're going to look at a scripture tonight in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20, that really describes really well the spiritual battle that you and I are in. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. This is what the Bible says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. See the word stand there? It happens three times in like two verses. I think we're supposed to stand when we're in a battle, not go in the shell, okay? Being inside of a shell does not look like standing, does it? <laughs> You're all like this? You're like curled up in a ball? Standing means you stand. When the trials come, when the heat gets turned up, when the battle's intense, it's not this or this, it's stand, why it says three times in two short verses, stand, 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 therefore doing this, having fastened on the belt of truth. 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstance, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, based on this passage of scripture, there's four things that I want to say. You ready for this? Okay, two people. There's four things I want to say about this passage of scripture. Y'all ready for this? Yeah, all right, here we go. The first thing is we are in a spiritual battle. You believe that? Good. We got this half believing. We just got to work our way through the other. We are in a spiritual battle. We have to acknowledge and believe based on the scriptures that we are in a spiritual war. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual forces in high places. Before we touch a piece of the armor of God, we first and foremost have to acknowledge that we are in a spiritual battle. Now, I know, again, we are going to be in the deep end of the pool tonight, just FYI. And oftentimes when you bring a, bring a subject like this up, we tend to think in extremes because we've seen some weird, extreme stuff that's unhelpful. But it's just a basic biblical reality that spiritual conflict, negative spiritual forces are at work to disrupt distort and destroy the work that God is trying to do in your life. It's just real. And maybe you felt it, even the questions I asked earlier about this sense of spiritual resistance. And honestly, if I sat down with you and talked about your last week, it wouldn't take a lot of convincing to try to help you come to the conclusion that, oh yeah, oh actually, I, I, I can identify with that. I'm in a spiritual battle. I can feel that. And I think there's lots of different reasons why we can believe that we're in a spiritual battle. One of the things that's unhelpful, though, is over the last 250, 300 years, we have used reason to explain everything away. We've explained God away, and we've explained the spiritual realm away. And so we think in our heads we can just explain away certain things. But it's interesting, though, because if you look in like countries like Africa or countries like Haiti, they clearly believe the spiritual realm. And so we've excluded the spiritual realm as part of our way of thinking because of the Enlightenment. But there's actually good reasons to believe that the spiritual realm is real and that we're in a spiritual battle. First and foremost, the Bible tells us over and over again that we're in this battle. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about it. But not just scripture says it. Your experience tells me that you're in a spiritual battle. As you talk to people that you're close to or talk to me or talk to different people and explain about what's going on in your life, it's clear that you're in a spiritual battle. Like, just do a favor for me right now. I want you to think back to your last week. And I want you to think, I want you to answer this question in your own head. Were you tempted to do evil in the last week? If the answer is 
not yes, then I want to check your pulse and see if you're alive, okay? <laughs> it's like, is your heart beating? I think most of us would say in the last week, we were tempted to do evil. Amen? Okay, maybe not all of us yet. Okay, let's take a step further back here just to make sure. In the last year, were y'all tempted to do evil? Okay, if you weren't, I want you to come talk to me, okay? <laughs> yes, of course. All of us probably can look back at the week as we just do a little bit of an inventory and say, yeah, I was tempted. How many times in the last week did you feel heavy in your spirit? How many times in the last week did you have any battles with lust or jealousy or anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or being critical or gossiping or slandering or any of those things? How many of y'all were tempted to do that in the last week or so? Amen. That's the spiritual battle you're in. The temptation, the heaviness, the desire to want to do those things I just described, that is the spiritual battle. And if you talk to, there's a number of, we have mature Christians in our church that have walked with Jesus for a very long time. If you were to sit down and talk to them about how they've experienced a spiritual battle over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, they would begin to describe to you the battle that they've been in and what they've seen and the struggle they had in this battle that we have. And over the last 2,000 years, even going back to the book of Acts, it's like interesting because if you read the book of Acts, we see people resisting the church. But guess what? Do you believe that those were negative spiritual forces trying to persecute the church? Absolutely. Right off the rip when the church started in Acts chapter 2, Negative spiritual forces were consistently trying to put the kibosh on the, on the move in the work of God called the church. It's why in Acts chapter 8, 7 and 8, Stephen gets killed. It's why Peter is crucified upside down. It's why over and over again, the church is persecuted by negative spiritual forces because we are in a war. But there's good news. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because we have the victory. Amen? Jesus conquered sin and death, rose again from the dead, is seated at the right hand of God and has sent his power and he rules and reigns over every dominion and power. All these spiritual forces that are at work, Jesus reigns above it all. Now they don't listen because if they all listened to him, we'd have life a whole lot easier. And one day we will in heaven, but right now we are in this present darkness. We are living against these spiritual forces. And these spiritual forces have a leader. The Bible actually tells us who that is. So not only do you have to acknowledge that you're in a spiritual battle, the second thing you have to do is we need to recognize who the enemy is. There's a book called The Screwtape Letters, written by C.S. Lewis. He's the author of The Chronicles of Narnia and Mere Christianity. And in that book, he, one of the things he writes about is he wants people to believe that Satan is merely just this Halloween figure in red tights and a pitchfork. 
He wants you to believe that fictional character so that you don't come to believe who he is and how he works as the Bible teaches. So some of you are being tempted to just even tune me out right now. You're like, the devil? Really? Come on. Yeah, no, he's real. The Bible actually says that he's real. And actually, if you looked in your own thought life and looked over the past number of weeks in your life, I don't think I have to do actually a lot of convincing to convince you not only you're in a spiritual battle, but you have an enemy of your soul. And his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy from you. The Bible says that this enemy is the devil. That's what the Bible says here. It says, so that we'd be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And the Bible tells us who this devil is. The Bible describes him as the accuser of the brethren. He is constantly accusing you of stuff from your past. How many of you in this room struggle with stuff coming up that you've done in your past, bad decisions, bad choices, and you are constantly being nagged in your head for some of the bad stuff you've done? How many of us are like that? I'm here to tell you why. You ready for this? You have an enemy. His name is the devil. And his job is to accuse you of everything you've ever done wrong and try to rub it in your face. And this is what he does. How many of us, when we fall short or something in our past, we've asked God to forgive us? But how many times do you ask God to forgive you when you've done something wrong? How many of us, like I've done this, I'll ask God to forgive me for that thing that I did, and then five minutes later, I'll ask him again. Then a week later, I'll ask him again. Then a month later for that same thing, we'll ask him again and again and again and again. And before we know it, we've asked God to forgive us 30 times for something from our past that's 15 years ago. How many times do we need to ask God for forgiveness for? But how many times do you? Why? It's because after you've asked God the first time and he's actually forgiven you, the accuser brings it up in your head over and over and over and over and over and over and over again when God's already forgiven you. You know what that does to your mental, emotional, and spiritual life when you don't believe you're forgiven? You don't have peace with God. So the enemy wants to make you in captivity and bondage and feel like what? You're always losing. You see it? You see what he does? God's actually forgiven you, but if Satan can convince you to feel miserable about something that God has already forgiven you, you feel like you're always losing. What a liar. What a dirty, rotten liar. And he's lying to us all the time. That's how he rolls. He's the accuser. And he's the father of lies, the Bible says. Satan's power is in his lies. That's really all he has. Because Jesus disarmed all of his power. But he can lie to you. He tries to make us believe lies about ourselves and lies about other people. He tries to make us believe things bad about ourselves 
and about other people. Here's how it works. You ever have a thought come into your head that you can't do that? You're not, you're not gifted or strong enough to do something like that. They're, or this little lie, they're doing better than you. Or he comes in the form of enticing. If you do this just this once, no one will ever notice. Or like, you're ugly. Why don't you just, you should, you should look better than what you do. You should be smarter than what you are. Like those lies that came into our head, in the moment we believe them, they have power and influence because it'll affect how you, how you live, won't it? Start believing that you can't and guess what? You can't. Right? Start believing you're not good enough and guess what? You don't feel like you're good enough. When you believe the lie, they become your reality. And that's why Satan uses lies. He's the father of lies. The third thing is, he's, y'all doing okay so far? He's the evil one. The devil's motives are pure evil. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy all the things of God and the work that he's doing in your life. He's the ruler of the kingdom of air. Satan does have power in this world. That's why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual forces in the heavenly places. These forces that form culture and form the world and that work in the world are under Satan's power. And he uses the powers in this world to bring about his evil will in our lives. And he is the tempter. He uses things to tempt our heart and our eyes and our pride to lure us into giving into temptation. He's the one who tempted Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. He's the one who tempted Eve and Adam in the garden. And he is the one that is constantly, every single day, tempting you. He's the tempter. This is one thing I've learned about the evil one. Satan is almost always the last voice you hear in your ear before you give in to temptation. And he's almost always the first voice you hear in your ear the moment you give in. That's how evil and wicked he is. He's almost always the last voice you hear in your ear the moment before you give in a temptation trying to convince you how good that thing is gonna be. And wouldn't you know it, the one that's convinced you that you should give into it is the first person to condemn you and criticize you and accuse you the moment you give into it. We're not ignorant of how he works because that's how he works in your life, is it not? Haven't you felt that before? You're tempted by the tempter to give in and the moment after, what's the first thing you feel in here? You feel this yucky condemnation. I'm such a, you're such a failure. You, call, you ever hear this before in your head? You call yourself a Christian. How many have heard that before? Guess where that comes from? The accuser of the brethren. So we need to recognize our enemy. And so to new believers that are in our church, we have a lot of people that have, you know, are new to their faith or newer in their faith. The scripture commands us to watch out. This is what the Bible says. Be watchful or watch out. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So new believers in the room tonight, watch out for the enemy trying to bring things to rob your joy. Watch out for the temptations he's trying to bring into your life to lure you in. 
Watch out for the lies he's trying to bring up about your past that Jesus Christ has already dealt with. If you've accepted Christ into your life and you've repented and you've confessed your sins to God, God has forgiven you for everything you've ever done wrong and you stand before God blameless and holy because of the blood of Jesus. So Satan can't accuse you for that stuff anymore. Christ has dealt with it at the cross, amen? Be watchful of relationships. Satan will use relationships in your life to try to drag you away from your relationship with God. Especially, Siri, stop talking to me. Especially when you're on fire for God. The enemy will try to use whatever he can to kind of come in and destroy you. So watch out for relationships. Look, look, watch out for people. The Bible says to try to pierce as an angel of light. And for you, look like good relationships are coming for a while to try to draw you away. So be, that Satan doesn't lull you into a spiritual sleep. Because that's what he wants to do. Oh, this is so nice, being a follower of Jesus. Oh, this is so nice. Before you know it, you start becoming apathetic. You stop engaging and being involved in ministry. And you stop reading your scriptures and praying. You forget that you're in a battle and... Your convictions begin to slip. You felt really, really strong about things that God had shown you that you're supposed to do or not supposed to do. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, it's okay if I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. And then before you know it, God's not number one in your life. It's just kind of an add-on. So be careful. Find the things. He'll use your kids. He'll use your spouse. He'll use your coworkers. He'll use whatever it takes. If he can get any kind of foothold, he'll use whatever it takes. And in particular, he'll try to do things that shock you and blindside you. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care if it's not fair. He'll use whatever it takes. But we got good news tonight. We got armor. We got weapons. The Bible says to put on the whole armor of God. The Bible says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You see, the enemy wants to accuse you, to convince you, you're not right with God. But putting on the breastplate of righteousness says, through Jesus Christ, I have to accuse with God. We are good because of you and miss. Because he wants to accuse you to display the righteousness and make you not confident. You have confidence. But when you have, the Bible says to put on the belt of truth. The old King James says, girdled up with truth. Because the truth actually braces up the rest of your armor. The truth holds the other pieces together. And the truth is what resists the lies of the enemy. You know, one of the things that I learned that people say around here is, you got to get braced up, right? Get braced up going lobster and high out. The Bible says, and this idea of girded up is braced. And you got to get braced up by believing the truth. It's the belt of truth. You know what the truth of God is about you and your life? The Bible says that I am God's child. The Bible says, I am a friend of Jesus Christ. I've been justified, declared righteous. I am united with the Lord, and I am one with him in spirit. 
I've been bought with a price and I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I've been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that God works for good in all of my circumstances. I am free from any condemnation brought against me and I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that God will complete the good work he started in me. I am a citizen of heaven. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine and a channel of his life. I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence and boldness. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You gotta get braced. You gotta get braced spiritually. And when you guys leave tonight on your way at the door, you're gonna get one of these copies of paper. Every one of you. And one of the things my wife and I both did when we first became Christians is we would read this every single day to remind us of God's truth over our lives. Because when the lies come, and they will come, you've got to have a counteractive defense system against the lies of the enemy. And when the lies come, and they will come, you've got a defense system. And so you're going to get one of them on your way out tonight to help brace yourself up. And I encourage you, when you start off your day in the morning, say those out loud. And say them with conviction. If you're steaming out in the morning, put it in your window. Put it somewhere where you can see it and get braced spiritually. The fourth thing, the helmet of salvation. This one's twofold. The first one is we're reminded of what God has done on our behalf. It's amazing when we're in a setting like this and the Holy Spirit has this way of reminding us of what Christ has done on our behalf. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we are forgiven, adopted, that we are new creations in the Christ, that the old is gone, the new has come, that God has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son he loves, out of a darkness into marvelous light. When we're in these settings and we worship Jesus, God reminds us of this amazing salvation we have in Jesus, right? And our mind is filled with that reality that protects our mind. The second thing that protects our mind, the helmet of salvation, is learning to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. Our thought life will run us in all kinds of wild and weird directions and make us believe things that aren't true. And one of my mentors taught me this scripture, and I can't even begin to underscore or tell you the dramatic impact it had on my life. When he taught me, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. The scripture has a thought filter system for you and for me in our day-to-day lives. 
We have the ability in Christ to take authority over every thought that comes into our mind and submit it to the will of God. Because most of those negative thoughts that we're having come into our mind are actually coming from Satan and their lies and their accusations, and they're not true. And we have the authority in Jesus to take authority over those thoughts. Here is a game-changing thought that might be so helpful for some of you in this room tonight. Did you realize that when you have an evil thought come into your mind, the instance it comes, it's actually not sin. How many of you have had bad thoughts before come into your mind? How many of you are like, where on earth did this come from? Well, I can tell you where it came from. But most of us, see, Satan does this. He'll put a bad thought in your mind and then convince you that you made that thought on your own and then make you feel condemned. How many have felt that before? How many of you have ever felt you've had a bad thought come into your mind and then immediately you were convinced and felt terribly guilty? Here's something that was revolutionary for me. Jesus had bad thoughts come into his head. Don't believe me? Read Matthew chapter four. I know some of you are like, what? I had someone say, when I said in the first service, I was like, I said, did Jesus have bad thoughts come into my head? Someone was like, no. And I'm like, yes. When Satan tempted Jesus in Matthew 4 and said, you should turn these rocks into stone, did those thoughts go into Jesus' head? Yeah. Did they? Yes, they did. Unless he was just like, When Satan whispered in his ear and said, turn these rocks into stone, did that temptation come into his head? You're not convinced. (laughs) Okay, this is what you're going to do. If you're not convinced, it's okay. Go read the scripture, Matthew 4. And I'll encourage you. Those thoughts came into Jesus' head. Did he sin? No. What did he do? He took those thoughts captive, and he resisted the devil. And guess what happened? He fleed. If we can learn to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. You can walk in freedom and liberty and Satan will stop having a stronghold in your life. And the shield of faith, you see, Satan wants you to not believe God for what he wants for your life. Here's what I'm convinced of. God has incredible No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him, but God has revealed those things to us by the Holy Spirit. What God has for each and every one of us and us collectively is absolutely amazing. But in order for us to experience those blessings, we need to walk in obedience to God. We need to pray and believe God for those things. So it's no wonder the enemy wants us to cause us to question and not be confident and not have faith to believe God for stuff in our marriage, for stuff in our children, for stuff in our church, for stuff in our community. He wants us to not believe God. He's afraid because if we believe God, those things will start to happen and Satan will lose his grip and hold in our family, in our children, in our community. Satan will lose his grip and influence. So he wants us to not be confident. It's why he fires those fiery darts at us to try to stop us and put the kibosh on us. But the scripture says, put up the shield of faith. When those things come to make us question, when we see something happen, a a thing that maybe discourages us in what God's doing in our situation, we say, no, Satan, in the name of Jesus, get behind me. God, would you intervene in this situation? Would you break through? Would you give me confidence? Would you show me evidence you're working? That's how we get on defense. And once we get on defense, once we get braced, it's not that we're cocky or arrogant. 
But the enemy just simply has no room to get in us. We're playing good defense. And that leaves us with one thing to do left. Let's go on offense. I invite the worship team to come. I love scoring goals. I love setting people up for goals. I love winning more than I love, more than I hate losing. I just love to win. The Toronto Maple Leafs last night loved winning. I know you're here. I know you're here. And I congratulate you guys on Facebook last night. But they love to win. And I watched the game and Man, those players, when they, win that, when they win, it's just like, man, the whole team is like, yeah, let's go. But it's got me thinking about the kingdom of God and winning. And what would it look like for us in our individual lives to be winning spiritually? Once you get the right defense, you can start going on offense. You can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You can take out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you can start winning the battles in your own spiritual life. That habit you feel like you can't break. That breakthrough in the family that you feel like you need it. That situation in your workplace. That unsaved family member. Whatever the case may be, once you put on the other armor on you, defend against the enemy, you can start declaring and praying and believing and speaking and believing the Word of God over your situation. That's what I'm going to do. I still got battles every day. But I'm not just going to roll over and turtle. I'm going to pray. I'm going to put my defense on first, and I'm going to start going on offense. And you know what our most powerful weapon is? Prayer. Man, oh man, when we pray, God moves. Do you realize when you pray and ask God to intervene, he has access to all the hosts of angels in heaven. Jesus said when he was going to the cross, when they were trying to arrest Jesus, he said to them, put your sword away. Don't you realize I could have 10,000 angels? Boom, right here, right now. And we have access to that Jesus through prayer to intervene in our situation, no matter what battle we're up against. We can pray and believe God. We can pray, and, and prayer is where we resist the devil and he flees. Prayer is where we ask God, God, would you tear down these strongholds in the name of Jesus? It's prayer where we, where we find breakthrough. It's in that place of prayer where we see God bring transformation. What would it look like if we started winning the spiritual battles in our own life? Because we aren't fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. The victory's already been won. We've been given the goods. We got the armor. Not just to defend. We got the ability to go on offense. We got the stuff to win. So you're going to win? You're going to go on offense? You're going to start winning the battles in your own life? Because I want you to. I want to tell you tonight, church, I love you to pieces. And more than anything, I want you to win the battles that you're in right now. And I be I'm believing God for you.
I'm believing God for every single thing he has for your life because it is so stinking good. And Jesus has won the battle for you. And I'm sick and tired of Satan bullying people around, lying and accusing. He's already been defeated in the name of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, disarmed all powers and authorities. He broke their power. And I just declare over you tonight in the name of Jesus that the lies of the enemy would be broken. Those lies you believe, I just say in Jesus' name, may they be broken over your life. May you never again believe the lies he's spoken about your call, spoken about your family, spoken about your situation, spoken over you. In the name of Jesus, may those lies be broken. And may you begin to believe what God says about you. May you get braced up with the truth of God. What would happen if we didn't start winning? We don't just start winning in our own spiritual lives, but we started winning the battles for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We started praying and started seeing breakthrough in their lives. Man, God is doing something in CR. Man, people are getting free and changed. It was so powerful this past Tuesday night. I was in a membership class this afternoon, and it was the best. You wouldn't think it, a membership class. It was the most exciting membership class. And it wasn't because of the, I was the one talking. You should have heard the stories in that room of people talking about how their life changed since they came to Coastal. And it's not Coastal, it's Jesus. But they begin to describe how God had brought them from darkness to light. Man, I was some fired up by the end of that. I was like, let's go, Jesus. Seriously. I was because we're winning. Someone asked the question tonight, how many people, in that membership class, some people asked the question, how many people have come to faith in Jesus since Coastal started? 64 people have made the decision except Jesus. And you know, on every single one of those decisions to authentically receive Jesus, there was a party in heaven. The Bible says that all the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. And every single time we've seen a changed life here in Coastal, the angels in heaven are celebrating way more than the Toronto Maple Leafs were last night. Come on! Because we're winning. And we need to not be afraid. Satan wants to convince us to be timid and afraid to win. And we're not being cocky, arrogant. We're not ignorant to the enemy's schemes. We're not being puffed up with pride. But we are going to win. We're going to move forward. We're going to put on the armor. We're going to get braced. Can you all say get braced? We're going to get braced. We're going to stop believing the lies of the enemy. We're going to stop believing his accusations. And we're going to walk in the freedom and victory that Jesus purchased for you and for me. Amen? He has won the victory. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I just pray in the name of Jesus, we be free from the lies of the evil one. And we believe what God speaks over us. And maybe tonight in this place, you need prayer. 
You want someone to pray for you about a specific battle you're in. We got the prayer team up tonight. If you need prayer, if you need breakthrough, come. If you're here tonight and you've yet to accept Jesus Christ into your life and you're tired of feeling like you're always losing this battle, I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus will help you walk in freedom. The battle's gonna be there. It'll always be there. But he wants you to come to the winning side. So if you need to accept Jesus into your life tonight, just come up and say, hey, I heard this message and I want to accept Jesus. So whatever you're facing tonight, would you stand to your feet and let's worship and believe that we are who God says we are.